Namaste, yogis and friends. I'm Kino McGregor. And I'm Tim Feldman. And we would like to welcome you to Miami Life Centers podcast. Hi, everybody. Hi. Uh, Hi. Nice hey. to see you. Thank you for being here. Um, so the theme of this chat and chai is yin practices. Um, but I think the best situation is probably for us to be in a conversation where mm-hmm. the questions, comments, anything that you have. I don't know if you want me to give a little bit of an intro to the four main practices that I guide and also practice myself. Um, maybe we can do just a little bit of an intro and then we'll just open it up. Yeah, like questions. that vlog you wrote was so good. If you could, like, maybe if you can, like, kind of go that off of vlog, that. That okay. was awesome. Okay, so mm-hmm. so that is on on the MLC blog mm-hmm. on the on the website. So if if you want to go a little bit deeper into that, there's a description of these practices and and how they differ, how they're similar, how they're beneficial. Um, but I guess we'll start by saying this is an Ashtanga yoga studio where the practice is very yang. It's a very rigorous physical practice. Um, so it's it's an honor to be here as. The person providing the yin practices because the the balance in in a practice is is really important to be able to rest to be able to stretch the fascia of the muscles and to be able to rest the mind and the body um, is very beneficial so thank you all for being here to listen about this which is completely different from what is the main you know practice in the studio Um, so the four practices that i practice regularly and also guide are yin, restorative, yoga nidra, and then meditation practices. So um, with yin being the most rigorous out of these practices, even though it's called yin, which just to kind of bring in the symbolism, the yang practices are active, rigorous, produce sweat and and raise the heartbeat and with the metabolism they accelerate the metabolism all of this the opposite is the yin practices that are the the feminine nurturing relaxing uh practices that then take you into the subtle into the subtle body um so beyond the physical you start loosening the muscles calming the central nervous system really connecting to the breath and then this takes you into your own inner world in a in a visual way in a in a very um focused way where you can train yourself to see inside your body you can train yourself to see where the memories are stored in your body where the tension in your muscles what it's connected to and start releasing this on a on a level um that really connects you to the essence of who you are before life experience started stacking itself on your being and on your physical reflection of this body and this experience. Does that make sense? Am I being too like... um, So the yin practice is a practice that holds postures for a long time. So starting at like three minutes, three to five is safe. Um, but you can go way deeper depending on what's going on. Um, and the postures, it's, most of them are seated postures, laying down postures as well. Um, but it's not easy. It's not like you're there inactive. You are there surrendering in the process, but there's a 
limit of your comfort zone that is then very slightly surpassed and in the discomfort is where the hold stays and that's where you start to breathe but when you're breathing beyond the five count of a of a physical practice of an of an ashtanga <laughs> practice and you're actually starting to hold for three minutes five minutes that's when um the connection of what's actually stored inside these muscles is possible to be to be revealed and to be faced so um and then also the way you treat yourself your own your own relationship with yourself with your body with your expectations for yourself with the way that you um communicate with yourself in your own thoughts like oh i should be going deeper or oh my my left side sucks and my right side is better or oh um why yesterday was i able to touch my chin to my shins and today i'm only you know barely ever able to fold forward so all this criticism that is an inevitable part of being human is also the part of the chatter that uh we're able to face so that the practice goes beyond just the physical into the a reprogramming of the mind so a yin practice is kind of like an entry level to start seeing what's going on in that in in the mental realm really while you're practicing um and then also when you do start observing where like for example you you may have one side that's tighter than the other you may have one sits bone that you know bears more weight than the other when you're seated you may have one side of your body that crunches up while the other one elongates so this is where you also start observing and through your breath and through these long holds you're able to make internal adjustments where at first you may just be stretching apart like elongating imagine just from the top of your pelvis to the bottom of your rib cage and then it might your body might just be so used to doing that that if you're not thinking about it you're going to come back and come back and come back so in the 5 minute hold where you're mindfully doing that you're using your breath and you're using your bandhas all always that the the use of the lower bandhas is present throughout all practices including yoga nidra um sometimes so you are reprogramming and also listening to what's going on in your mind that actually made you crunch your body in that way to begin with and it could be that you fell when you were 5 years old and it caused some pain and then that pain in there has stayed and you compensated and that never properly healed so you may have the opportunity to heal on a physical level it may be that you got made fun of and on an emotional level it was like you you tensed up your body because you were embarrassed and somehow that accumulated and you start realizing things about yourself in a way that doesn't always come become present like just in a physical experience because you're able to go in and study your mind and study your emotions um the restorative practice doesn't push you to your beyond your comfort zone so the, the restorative practice you're holding for extended periods again starting at 3 minutes going into you know 5 to 7 minutes for beginners 
if you know your body and you're fully present and you're you're making sure that your your joints that everything is safe you can stay in postures 20 30 an hour like it depends on on what you're working through and this is where we start recognizing really the symbolism of each posture so there have been times in my practice where for a year two years there were four postures that i would do so a, a balasana or a child's pose, releasing on an emotional level, hips, lower back, pain that I had in my body that through spending time in this posture, I was able to really release beyond the physical into the deep emotional stuff that was connected in there. Um, Viparita Karani with the legs up the wall. That is a great posture, especially for women, but for everyone to heal um, the the pelvic area the emotional center um, your reproductive system it's, a, it's an amazing posture also lower back um, then what was another posture that was those two I did for a long time and then holding some twists also depending on what you're working through like and depending on what areas along your spine you're working through this is where the energy centers of the chakras which now you know it gets thrown around a lot the chakras the chakras but like there are nerve bundles along your spine that then on a subtle level it's energy that passes through your physical body and these energy centers hold different layers of your consciousness. So when you're able to connect to these yin practices you're, you're, and with these postures that you're holding for a long time and depending on where you are in your own physical body, you start to connect to whatever is stored energetically um, through these different centers in your own body, in your own experience, in your own family experience, in your own cultural experience, because that's the beauty of energy. All the information is stored there, and these practices do connect us to that energy. Um, then um, the difference between yin and restorative is that with restorative, you're actually actively supporting your body. And you, there are not really any props in yin, maybe some blocks for alignment, some stuff like that, but it really is rigorous in a sense that it, it can be an intense practice. Mm -hmm. The restorative practice is really the opposite. You feel your level, your first layer of discomfort, that's where you stop. If, if there's any, any discomfort at all, you actually back away from it, and then you support your body with props into that first layer of sensation and there the, the props meet you where you are and then you allow yourself to release what happens in these practices is that you are able to see really on a on a very detailed but also subtle level like how much the intensity of whatever it is you're carrying is so you're able to see like okay, this shoulder hurts, all right? So you're here supported by the props and you start training your mind to love you, which is, I think, part of the, the most difficult part of being human, right? To train your own mind to love you in every breath, in every moment, even when you know, you're feeling something going on and you're, and you're still moving internally. You're still kind of adjusting at all times. 
and surrendering. But you're able to see, okay, this shoulder hurts. Well, how big is the, the area? How dense is that area? Is there any other point in the body that as I start releasing here, that connects to the pain in this area? Is there, you know, so you're able to really start and when you train to yourself to direct your breath into this area of your body, which I know it may sound weird in the class, okay, send your breath to your shoulder, but you actually send your breath into your shoulder and you're able to start dissolving. But, but with your mind, you see the density, you see what you're working with. And if we consider, this is just to, you know, to add on to the energy conversation, if you consider the shoulders, since we're talking about shoulders, this is connected to your Anahata Chakra, which is the heart center. The heart center is the place of love and forgiveness, energetically speaking, and also energetically speaking, the area where we hold grief. Grief is an immense emotion. Grief accumulated through a lifetime, grief accumulated through generations, grief accumulated through society and through life on this planet is very heavy. So, it do, and it doesn't matter what your body looks like, it doesn't matter how thin or how out of shape you may feel, it, grief is grief. And so when it comes to shoulder pain, for example, you then start going, okay, beyond the physical body, what am I carrying, you know? And you can start tracing it back as you practice and your breath, it's not even, you don't even really have to think about it. More so throughout the practice is the, is the act of asking questions. So you ask yourself a question and your subconscious will listen. So your breath will guide you to your answers. And this is what becomes possible in a practice where you're just really going into stillness and investigating. You become basically an investigator of your own experience with your own body as, as a map, as a, as a kind of vessel for an entire universe that lives within you. Um, so that's restorative and this is all very little bit of information. So please ask me questions. Um, I could talk about this forever. Um, so then, the yoga nidra practice is actually the first practice that came to me, and it came to me through insomnia. I just, you know, I've talked about this before, but I think it's important to mention, you know, that I was an insomniac. I suffered from depression, anxiety, suicidal tendencies for a chunk of my life, um, addiction to alcohol. So. <clears throat> There was a point in my life where I didn't think I was going to make it for another day. And especially because I was exhausted because I could not sleep. And, and it wasn't only that I couldn't sleep, is that I couldn't sleep, but I couldn't function. I would become paralyzed in terror. So luckily what happened one night is that something turned on inside of me and started guiding me, you know, to, okay, re release tension from your jaw, take a deeper breath, even though it's, it felt like work to breathe, because I, you know, I, I, 
I'm an artist, so I have sketchbooks and journals. And I remember, you know, just writing, like, I can't breathe. I've forgotten how to breathe. Like, you know, very basic life function, right? And that was the reality. Like, I had forgotten how to breathe. So when this practice kicked in, and this is a practice that you do laying down, right? There's nothing fancy about it. You lay down, you support your body with a pillow underneath your legs just to make sure your lower back is safe mostly you can do something behind your head but often i see that most people use way too much pillow support and then they actually end up closing their neck and, and causing a possibility for pain or injury at the neck when you're laying down right so the neck also just needs to be pretty neutral in line with the spine uh, with the rest of the spine and then protect the lower back protect the joints you just lay down and follow the path of your breath. And that sounds simple, but especially if, if you experience an overactive mind, this is a practice to really face you with your mind. This, the practice of yoga nidra is a practice of your mind and your emotions. So any overactivity, since you're laying down and you don't have that escape of like, okay, I'm gonna go do something to ignore these thoughts, any overactivity becomes visible within you, right? So, um, so this is where the practice of yoga nidra always comes along or, or always starts within, with a sankalpa or an intention. So you give a statement at the beginning of your practice and the sankalpa is an I am statement, which means I already am what I want to be, right? It's with this divine wisdom that it, it's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not something you once were. It's like, I am, right? So whatever it is that you feel that you need at that point in your, in your day, in your practice, because you can set a different sankalpa every time or you can set the same sankalpa for a year of your practice. Like it doesn't, it's just about what you feel that you need and that resonates with you and your, your subconscious will respond. So if you set an, a sankalpa that is, you know, I am uh, courageous, your sankalpa, your subconscious is going to show you your fears. <clears throat> it's going to show you anything that is it's like, oh yeah, so you are courageous. Let me remind you about this. Let me bring this situation up. And this is all stuff that's happening inside of you. And as you're breathing, laying in stillness, your fears are going to come up for you to release them, for you to love them, for you to accept them, for you to release them. If your sankalpa is I am love, anything that brings you out of alignment with love, any judgments that you have toward yourself, toward someone else, toward, you know, another society, another race, like, a, you're, you know, let me judge this, this earring next to this. It could be very simple or it could be huge, right? But if, you're, if you set your sankalpa for I am love, anything that's out of alignment with love is going to come to the test throughout your practice for you to choose to reprogram your mind. It's a practice where you can choose to reprogram your mind with every thought and with every breath. Um, and because all of this chatter 
does take up so much space, once these things start to be cleared and resolved, the amount of rest that comes from making peace with our own negative thoughts and our own judgments, because none of us are perfect, you know? All of us are gonna be faced with the things that are out of alignment with our highest intention, right? We all have them. So once we become real about that, you can kind of just breathe easy again and be like, okay, all right, I accept that I'm not perfect and I choose in this moment to be better. I choose in this moment to be a better version of myself, to align more with who I know I am, right? Um, so the sankalpa is very important um, and it's also something that can be repeated throughout the entire practice because sometimes the stuff that may come through because it is energy, you're laying there, if there's any blockages, if there was anything, your breath is gonna to start to clear that. And then there are things where there are situations where the body can vibrate, the you know, or, or your leg will shake or something will happen. And it can be a little bit scary, right? So it's important to just remember what your intention is and to remember to keep following your breath and to allow it to, unfold so that you release what it is that you need to release without then resisting and sending it back down and leaving yourself in, in a state of some kind of shock or something. So I think I may have veered off a little bit, but it's just the possibility of what could happen during a practice because when you slow your body down, any energy that's been blocked is going to start to come through, right? So, um, and then... I could go on and on about yoga nidra. Um, but to segue into meditation, um, meditation is known as a seated practice, but also through a conscious state of awareness in yoga nidra, you enter meditative states. So um, if a seated meditation practice is too intense or just hurts or, you know, eliminating that obstacle could be a way to start at least in your mind. Then the physical body will start to, you know, get um, get more used to the practice. But um, something else to mention in the nidra practice is that it's not a sleep practice. It's a it's a conscious rest practice where you can doze off because it's normal that that could happen um, but as you start to train your mind your mind stays completely aware your mind is focused and you transcend any sensations you transcend all of your senses you're, and you even transcend your thoughts where you're able to see your thoughts as if you were listening to a radio you're able to, to hear it and see it, but you're no longer in it. So you recognize that you exist beyond your thoughts. Um, with your emotions too, it could be something really big that you're feeling, something that you've been feeling maybe even for years or your whole life. All of us have an emotion that kind of keeps coming back for us, right? So you're also able to see that emotion without being in it. And then you're able to map it out in your body you're able to to create these connections but from this state of your mind 
you, the big you, the big S self is aware and is guiding you so that you can live a better life in this physical plane, right? So um, if you do fall asleep, that's normal. But when you are in this state of observation and you are clearing stuff through, there is a, p a point in the practice where the mind just whoops, you just empty out and you just are. You are who you are love, you are light, you are this divinity and you're able to feel, to know who you are. And then something else will, the mind will turn on again and then it's time to kind of get back to quote unquote work in sorting through. Um, and then essentially from that, just the meditation practice, take it to a seat and continue that. And then it, it's all about realigning the spine. It's all about realigning the skeleton, but then the spine, the brain, the heart. I mean, the central nervous system, the circulatory system, like energy that connects through the different areas of your spine and working with what is what is there. And then when you're seated also, you'll see where your breath stops or you'll see where your breath wants to keep going. So it's not a coincidence if, if you feel like you just want to breathe into your solar plexus. Breathe into your solar plexus. You, you might be giving yourself the opportunity for more self-confidence. You might be giving yourself the opportunity. You're, you might be giving your ego the opportunity to take a break because you're actually looking into the wounds where you felt low self-esteem so that your ego doesn't have to turn on to protect you in whatever way it comes to protect you. If you feel like you need to breathe into your solar plexus, give yourself that energy so that you can heal whatever self-esteem wounds exist there um, and calm that down. Same, if, you're, if you're, your heart is calling you in, like your, your heart calls, the heart is the main healing center. So all the energy centers have their own healing process and then you always go back to the heart to then disperse love and forgiveness into all of these different areas. So, um, so these practices will also tune you in on that level, kind of beyond just the physical body, but into the energetic imprints that exist. Um, um, so, um, Good. This is very basic. Um, so please ask me questions and help me get focused if I've gone off or if you want to hear something extra. I have, I have some questions. So, I mean, my main practice is Ashtanga, as most people here. And I like, it's just what resonates with me and it's like works. It's, it's, it's what like brings me into what I think, what I think is the state of yoga. But I, and I, I kind of want to hear your thoughts on how you think these yin practices, and in particular, which yin practices would be helpful within an Ashtanga practice. Okay. And like how we can integrate the lessons learned in, maybe, maybe you think only there's one particular yin practice that is, is easy or effective in integrating into an Ashtanga practice. Like what are your ideas on that? Okay. Um, thank you for and asking. How? That's a great question. Um, and again, if we're speaking of, of energy, and this is an observation that I've made, it doesn't mean that I'm right. 
Um, but an observation about, I guess, a, a general like Ashtanga personality um, is, you know, very mind-based, very intellectual. Um, there's a certain need for perfection, like overall, you know, generally speaking. So the grounding practice, the physical grounding practice is a great practice for, you know, bringing that energy from the, from the mind down, you know? So it's, it's a, if it's a practice that works for you, this is your practice. There's, yeah. you know, there's not one practice that's better than another. It's just about which energy aspects are more active at a certain time and then what you need to balance it out, right? Mm -hmm. So if the energy is too much up here in the mind, part of it is bringing it down through the body for grinding. Right. So right. that's that's the great part of this rigorous physical practice. Right, I also, but, let me just interject yeah, for a second yeah. here. I also, but I also like the idea of like thinking like, I I have a strong as my main thing, but then like I'm also kind of um, like need a little bit of this yin and a little bit of, you know, yeah. like it's not yeah. like you're stronger and only stronger and that's it because that's what, yeah. You know our teachers before us said and that's what i'm going to do but i like that I, that's why i like that you're here because it's like oh wait maybe a little bit of nature every once in a while helps me within my ashtanga practice you yeah. know it doesn't have to be so cookie cutter yeah and thank you for saying and that you're also different you know like yeah i might need nidra but like she might need yin plus ashtanga and she might need restorative plus ashtanga, you know like absolutely like an interesting formula yeah so this is this is a great question and i would say that Yoga Nidra is a practice that could benefit everyone, mm. but it's a practice that can be scary for anyone who has issues with what's going on in their mind. So this is, this is a practice, and if there's any trauma, known or unknown, this is a practice that can really transform the trauma. It requires a lot of courage to go into it though, because it is, whatever is inside will be, will be made visible to you, right? for the purpose of transformation. Um, but while it's happening sometimes, it feels like, oh, okay, it's, it's mm -hmm. all. But then to get to your question, um, yoga nidra is a practice of the mind. Mm -hmm. I think it works for everyone. If there's any injury at all, which you know, through a rigorous physical practice, injury happens. And I think that because of the, um, the kind of requirement of a six day a week practice, a lot of the time the injury gets overlooked and it's like, okay, I'm feeling better, but I have to get back to practice, right? Yeah, so in that case, mm -hmm. I would say a restorative addition to that is really important because then you are supporting the body and you're able to take the physical part that's wounded and give yourself time to breathe into it and mm -hmm. to heal it and to see why why it happened and why you know and then how you may be um, compensating with your body because if you have injury but then you keep doing that with a physical practice then your body will come out of alignment somehow like mm -hmm. some or, or, or it may not look out of alignment but you'll notice on a subtle level that you're putting, you know, 70% of your weight on your left side and only 30 on the right. Yeah. Um, so that, that's a disbalance, so right? You only notice that when you slow down. Exactly. Unless you're like super attentive within your shadow practice. Exactly. It's hard. Exactly. But the Nidra practice, at least for me, and I've only practiced Ashtanga for one year, and because of my history with a very overactive and overstressed out um, central nervous system, 
I have to be careful with Inishlanga practice because it reactivates my nervous system in a way that doesn't always feel good for me. So uh, I've practiced and then I've stopped for many months um, and I'm, that's what I need right now. So, mm-hmm. so I'm fine with that. But, but with, uh, what was the, I veered off a little bit. I gave that as an example and then I no, veered that's off. That's good. So like, that's good for Inishlanga practitioner. It was, it was like dealing with Oh, the Nidra practice. Yes. Yeah. The Nidra practice, like... It will, when your task is to breathe and to bring your breath into your center line, because that's what it is. You're, and you're, not even, you're, so we're, when we talk about the breath, the breath is what comes in from the outside, but it's also your life force that comes from the inside. So there's two, two pranas, essentially, right? So like, what you're, when I'm talking about the breathing up and down your spine, it's drawing the energy in from the base of your spine, but it's actually beneath your belly button and then going around and up, right? So you're drawing energy up along your spine, and when you're drawing that into your center line through your active breath, which, you know, mostly is an ujjayi breath, but then the breath starts to transform depending on what's going on inside, you're able to see like, okay, I feel a lot of energy here. So I've got to draw this here. But the process of drawing this here is often coupled with whatever you have to face with the energy that's here, for example. And I don't know how that's going to sound on the recording, but whatever. Like if you feel like there's a, some energy like on your right rib cage, but then you're trying to draw it into your center line, like it's so when you focus like this in a nidra practice, Mm. that will inform your Ashtanga practice. Wow, so awesome. Yeah, because then you're able to, you're you're able to remember, you're basically reminding your, okay, well, I've I've had an excess of energy on this side, so that, so then let me investigate in my Ashtanga practice, in my, in the rigorous postures, what my body's doing in relation to that energy that I noticed here, Mm. for example. Mm. Um, And then if, if that's injury, if that's actual injury, a restorative practice. And I feel like a yin practice is a good entryway for Ashtangis because it's still rigorous. Mm-hmm. Because I, I feel like you still, like get, to you still get to beat yourself up a little bit. And I think and I think the Ashtangis <laughs> like to beat yourselves <laughs> up a little bit. You like to you like to beat yourselves up a little bit. Suffering in so <laughs> yeah, so if you still need that to enter a yin practice, you'll like, get it. You'll, through yin, you can be at your beyond your comfort zone and still be like, <laughs> right? And still be like, I'm going to do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then the beauty of that is that it'll calm you down right. eventually. For example, I never can connect with Nidra. And I try to, and you know, in restorative, I always feel something when I finish, you know, I, I can feel the result mm-hmm. more than time than other. But in Nidra, and what happens? So, what's your experience? Like, yeah, I try. Yeah, it's, it's. I can do or not, and I, I don't know why I. Don't feel anything, you know. But what's your but experience inside of you? Nothing. I hear you only. I don't know if maybe I don't. You know, I follow you, what you are doing, and but I don't connect. Connect. But are you ins- are you inside your breath? Because that's the, that's when that kicks in. Because 
And what I mean by inside your breath, so you have your, your third eye, you know, in the yoga world, it's, we hear a lot your mind's eye, your, your inner vision, right? So you have your third eye, and you can connect your third eye inside of your breath. So it's like you're seeing, your, so if I'm breathing, and I'm focusing, Right now my breath is like here. I'm inside, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing where my breath is inside my body. And when you're doing that, laying down, but your main focus is not what it, because in Nidra, it's not so much what I'm saying. Following you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good thing to keep you anchored, but you don't even have to listen to anything that I say in the Nidra practice. It's nice to focus your mind. It trains your mind to follow the directions and to stay focused with the part of your body that I'm connecting you with or the, or the visualization or the situation. But if you are inside of your breath, you don't need me. If you, when, not if, when you are inside of your breath and you have set your sankalpa, that's all you need. And then to be able to feel like you can go mentally, spiritually, wherever you need to go, my voice is here to keep you anchored to this physical space. And my presence is here to make sure that your body is safe and that on an energetic level, you are safe to go travel in a way as, as wherever you feel you want to travel so that when then you come back, you're still you in your body, <laughs> in the space. Yes. It's difficult to connect with, with me when I'm not doing or feeling nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. To restore active, at least I feel pain. Okay, I, I'm pain. Pain. Yeah. Here I am. Really okay, good it's point. good. I'm yeah. pain. You know what I mean? But yes. Being like this, it's, I, it's hard for me yeah. to connect with it. So yeah, yeah. I just want to say well, I just want to say one more yeah. thing because that's where the breath, but then that's also where s- notice the density inside your body because that's where like you'll start to see like uh-huh. where the where there's the energy kind of accumulated and then you're and then breathe into the spaces of density or of resistance because like even not being able to elongate your breath or focus on it even though you have a great pranayama practice and you can have a very long breath it's it's also about observing what the breath is opening up what the breath is dissolving what the breath is releasing Mm. so the breath is like a purification tool so with it you are able so how i talked about density like you start observing and i'm going to use an example of you know some pain that i've had in my left hip area like or or your knee so you you can send your mind's eye into your knee and then start observing okay so what is actually there what color is it how thick is it energetically how how quickly is it vibrating or is it dense and stagnant and then you can imagine your breath dissolving that expanding the space around it so that you can so I hope I'm not yeah. getting too like esoteric. No, this is but, no. I, yeah. I, think, yeah. I think it sounds a lot like 
cost, like you're talking about directing your prana to that part of your body. And exactly. I think that that's the beauty of taking your classes and hearing you reminds me to take my breath to a certain part within the body. I think because of the pranayama practices, you're able to actually sensitize your cells. So you start to feel that your cells have their own awareness mm -hmm. and you almost feel your tissues, your fascia, you feel your cells in that area, in that region. And with your, with your awareness going to that part of your body and how you remind people to go with their breath compassionately into mm -hmm. that part and kind of flow the breath in that area, you start to feel you know, what it is, the colors, the density, and it, it almost feels physically like this part of your body is very thick, mm -hmm. that there's no flow of energy, and that the other side is like super open you feel the prana move easily and flow easily whereas one side of your body might have more blockages so i think that it's beautiful that you direct because i feel like i've been to yin practices where they don't talk so much about the breath but they just kind of tell you to hang on into that spot and just kind of hang and mm -hmm. let your muscles release little by little but i think that the breath clearly i think has helped immensely in these practices um and what you were saying monica about the different practices supporting the Ashtanga practice. I mean, mm -hmm. essentially, the Ashtanga practice is the eight limbs, and the final thing is the Narodaha of the Vridis. That eventually, these practices that you're teaching here are like kind of you're holding the hands of a person, helping them realize to like train their mind to investigate what's going on moment by moment instead of just like always doing a movement, which helps, which helps because then we finally are able to get into our body. And we feel our body really alive in Shavasana. But when you can get into it without having to move around the body a lot, mm -hmm. that's what we're that's what we're trying. We're trying to totally. not let our minds Yeah. Well I like to think I like to think of Ashtanga I know we say Ashtanga is Yang, mm -hmm. but I kinda I, I, I want to think The physical practice. Right, the physical. But I also want to think of Ashtanga as like a full thing that that um incorporates yin and yang. So it's like I like that these practices can help us find the yin within Ashtanga. Mm -hmm. Because, or like the stillness within movement. You Absolutely. know, it's like the opposite is always contained in the, you know, the yin yang. Like, yeah. you know, Absolutely. like there's, there's movement and stillness and there's stillness and movement. Absolutely. But I think when you're, you're like so caught up in the, like, the, the, the strength of Ashtanga and like the yang of Ashtanga, you, you miss out on that. Yeah. But I like that, you, you know, these practices can train you to find the yin and, in other aspects of, of absolutely, yeah, absolutely, and and also there is a beauty in these complex postures being held with ease. That is the yin within mm -hmm. the yang, right? Right, yeah. right. That is the yin within yeah. the yang, and even that's finding the stillness within a vinyasa, within yeah. the sun salutation, even though you're moving. Yeah. There's like something within you that kind of stays still. Absolutely, and based off of that, yeah. when you're in stillness in sh in nidra, you realize the entire universe is moving inside of you. So your your body is in right. physical stillness. You're not using outward action to distract yourself, mm -hmm. but there, you're in a constant state of flow internally. Um, and it's it's about creating balance, and and it's about creating balance within, you know, the the four main areas of the of the four main bodies you know physical mental emotional and spiritual 
Um, and it all depends on where you are most active. And this is where then you can select like what your what your practice is for the time being, and that changes throughout our life. You know, if mm. if you realize at some point that like yeah. your nervous system is overactive then a restorative practice is really good for that mm -hmm. if, if you notice that your mind is overactive then a nidra mixed with a physical practice that mm -hmm. focuses your mind and um, if you're going through something yeah if you're going through something emotionally you know also a restorative um practice is really good is very soothing for the emotions so um it's all about being able to read yourself know yourself and um, and respond with with compassion for what you need um, at the time, and then creating that sense of of balance for your life. Because my personal experience with having practiced yoga nidra only for such a long time, and it's because I had a completely overactive uh, central nervous system, and my mind was, you know, 15 years ago, my mind was, you know, off the rails. So. Um, I've reeled that back in, but also what's happened is that starting a physical practice again really activates my heart. So I need to be I need to be careful because through a knee drive really slowed down my heart rate and I slowed down, you know, my my system to be able to heal, but now I have to be mindful about returning to action. Right? Because if I overdo it, then my heart's like, hold on a minute, but you really slowed me down and now you want me to do full-on cardio? So, so yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And that's all about what you need and how you need it. And also, I guess Nidra was the physical practice that started my yoga journey, although the other limbs, the seven other limbs have been part of my life for even before I even knew that it was yoga. Um, but I have to say that before any of this experience with Nidra, so let's say I have about a 15-year, 14-year Nidra practice, and then I had like some years of break before that, but then before that I had a 10-year daily rigorous martial arts practice in the same way that Ashtangis practice. It was a daily three-hour practice with discipline, with rules, with a, you know, with a head teacher that we followed, with a system, with thing, building on it. So that was my practice, which is very active physical practice for, for 10 years. And I feel like whatever you do to clear your body, to purify your body, is, will open you up to a state of meditation. And if you are under the system of the eight limbs, which are basically social ethical code, being kind with yourself and taking care of your sacred physical body, mind, space, heart, heart, um, some movement, and then breathing, you know, everything else, like, then you're practicing yoga, you know, and, and the physical part, like, I feel like we restrict ourselves. Sometimes I like swimming. I love swimming. I used to be on the swim team. If I'm going to go swim laps for an hour and a half, I might not want to practice martial arts that day, or I might not want to practice the primary series that day, but I had a great time moving my body in the water. 
So it's not to say that you don't need to do your practice. I'm not at any way trying to be like, don't practice your physical practice every day if that's what you do. It's just allow yourself to enjoy your life. <laughs> the, the, the aspect of, of yoga, of being able to sit with yourself in stillness is to love yourself, is to love who you are and to be able to feel free and making a decision for yourself and going for it that day. You know, I feel like that's what we're working toward. We're working toward calming the mind to a point where we don't have to be judging ourselves for everything that we do. And if we decide today that this is, today I want to eat this thing. Eat the thing. Enjoy it. Today I want to go, you know. Yeah, walk to do walk to that place, move your body in that way. Just be nice to yourself and be nice to other people and really mean it. And you're you're on a yogic path. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, we're doing this. Right? We're doing it to be nice to each other and yeah. to ourselves. Okay, so Not just nice. First. Yeah. Very first. Right. Yeah. But you know, we're human and we forget these things. We do. And this is why we need the discipline. Right. You know, this is why we need the discipline. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah. Yes. It's more it's a very selfish, self centered question. Um (laughs) so if you have like, you know, a daily uh a stronger practice and you also meditate and you also have a full-time job and you try to read books and you know so you don't have like that much time to I like to I like evening rituals like I like to journal a little bit I like give myself a food massage like I do stuff like that what would be your suggestion if I have like 15 minutes and in the evening to dedicate to like a more restorative yin type of practice like what would be your suggestion yeah okay so for an evening practice with like 15 minutes, you try like a three minute supported child's pose, mm-hmm. three minute like twist to each side on the bolster. So you're basically like in child's pose. Okay. You twist. You twist. Okay. You lay down. Maybe you put your feet up the wall. And, and notice how you feel. Yeah. Okay. And that's it. So you, you know, need, like I need, I need a bolster simple. in my life. <laughs> huh? I, I yeah. think everybody yeah, needs, needs a bolster, bolster in their, their life. life. Yes. But it doesn't have to be an <laughs> official bolster. You've got pillows. You've got pillows at home. You can, you have everything you need already. This is the most important thing to remember. Everything you need is inside of you and everything you need for what you're thinking of right now is right here. We could create with what we have right here. And we get confused and think that we need so many things. And then it's true that we might create with what we have right here and then we might realize, okay, I'm gonna take it to the next step. So you have to look over there and find something else that wasn't here and it's over there, but it's still there. It's, it's available. So you don't need to go buy a bolster. But in short, in short, <laughs> but if you're going to get serious about it, you'll notice that the support of a good bolster it's really nice is really now. important and it, and you and you notice it, but you can use it with the pillows that you have at home. You've got a wall. Okay, so supported child 
child's pose and supported and like with a twisted. Um, for, example, for example, legs up the wall, really good. Um, depend if you want a heart opening, um, um, fish, fish matsyasana yeah. supported. You know, with a bolster, make sure if you are supporting uh, a matsyasana that you actually, you never want your joints to hang, right? So if you're doing it at home and you don't have somebody who's looking at you, like a lot of people start like this. This is eventually yeah. can be very hurtful for the joints. So you want your elbows to be, <laughs> to grounded, be resting and grounded. You want to be, and then this support can be as much as you you want it. And then follow your breath. See, uh, the the most important thing that I can keep repeating is follow the path of your breath. Mm-hmm. Glue your mind's eye within the path of your breath and you will be guided back home within your heart. It's really, and you'll be taken on a really beautiful ride of what your inner world is. May not always be super fun (laughs) or pretty, but you'll be taken on a really nice ride of who you are and what you're made of and you'll connect to like the fierceness of who you are because Every single one of you is extremely fierce and powerful. And that comes from like, you know, and that comes from a place of stillness inside of you. You don't need to show anybody anything to be fierce. You don't need to be doing anything fancy to be fierce. That's all I got. (laughs) (laughs) That is good. I would say three minutes minimum and then listen to what's going on because you might feel like you want to stay longer Mm. Um, or if you feel your mind being like I want to get out of here force yourself to stay a little longer as long as your physical body's safe if it's the mind that's taking you away I would do a little longer to so that you can start telling your mind hey mind over matter yeah and and yeah, in, in a meditation practice, you are forcing yourself to sit um, and to go through all of that, where in the nidra practice, you, you take that out of the equation and work on the mind, mind, mind on its own, because even still, it'll come through. Yeah, it'll and I was actually going to tell you when you said, when you're in nidra, you don't feel that thing in the whole in vipassana the point is you feel subtle sensation sensations in your body you mm-hmm. do feel it mm-hmm. and you focus on it and you know you go part oh my you will feel it <laughs> you'll feel it and and exactly like, you wish you weren't feeling so you'll feel everything. <laughs> you'll feel everything no and like what francie said too which is you know it's so true like you with your breath you bring yourselves back to life there you can actually start to notice that even though you're here, there are parts of yourself that have died. And part of it, you may want to bring back to life. Part of it, you want to let go and in a ceremonial, internal way. You give thanks for that and you let it go. But like when it comes to yourselves and when it comes to, you know, the subtle, the, the emotions that we keep pushing back that are on a very slow way eating us up inside, like that's actually killing parts of our physicality and when you start bringing it back to life and the energy starts moving instead of being stagnant and dense in there, you 
realize that you have the power to heal everything for yourself. You have the, you have the power to really heal your physical body. And it's just that we've given that power away. And this is not to take away from the professionals that are working with people who really need it. Not at all. But it's just for all of us to reclaim our inner power and to, and to reclaim our own health. But even professionals, yeah. like they can only help so much if we don't accept it and want to change ourselves, yeah. then mm-hmm. it doesn't really make sense, right? Exactly. So, right. It's like both, it's two-way street sort of thing, I would say. And that's another beautiful point because that's where you do start realizing, oh, I had a thought in there that actually didn't want me to heal, even though I've been saying it or even though I've been yeah. doing all these poses yeah. or even though I've been like taking this medicine, there's a thought in me that actually didn't want me to heal, it doesn't matter what you do, that thought is going to be more powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy that this is a radical idea to reclaim your power for self-healing because mm-hmm. we're in like such a culture that's like, something's wrong with me, let me go look for a doctor and he's gonna fix it. Yeah. yeah. Like, he's in charge of my healing and it's like, and it's a radical movement mm-hmm. to say, he's not in charge, you're in charge, he helps, yeah. or she helps, but it's like, comes back to us doing the work. And also, you don't want to yeah. fix everything necessarily right away. Sometimes yeah. you want to just yeah. like look at it. Or like, yeah, exactly. like, let's, like and we're very much in a culture of like fixing, fixing, yeah. fixing yeah. all and the time. Fixing, right? It's like right. you want to fix it. Yeah, you want to fix like everything. The quickest yeah. fix. And that's another great point because another these practices do connect us to the emotional realm. Like in a physical practice that's rigorous, sometimes you'll notice that you cry and they'll be like, okay, but you may not really even know why or you may know why, but you have that physical release. But like in, in, a, in the more yin practices, you have a chance to actually look at the emotions and you have a chance to be able to nurture them as you want. Sometimes it's okay to be angry. Sometimes it's okay to be sad. It's okay to feel resentful about something because you have a right to react to different situations in your life and the purpose is not to get rid of Mm. or to fix. The purpose is to accept and love and forgive. And there's a process for that. I can tell you to forgive and, and it could be extremely condescending for me to tell you to forgive in a situation where you have a right to resentment and anger and whatever and you need to process that before you forgive, right? So um, it's beautiful to read nice things and say pretty words and it's also extremely beautiful to go into your shadow emotions, face them with courage and choose to reveal the love from inside of there mm. and that's something you can do for yourself nothing i tell you is going to is going to do that for you mm. and that's a beautiful process and i highly recommend it because otherwise the emotion is there the emotion you know and emotions that stay there long enough, either they stagnate and start to kind of chew away internally, or they harden and start to, you know. Fester and rot. Well, there's the rotting and then there's the hardening. Yeah. So it's like. It's like fossilized. And you can actually feel that in your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's all, about, it's all about time. If you catch anything in time and you focus and you. have a a solid intention you can transform everything 
Thanks for tuning into this episode of Chat and Chai, Yoga Talks from Miami Life Center. This episode was with our Yin restorative teacher, Natalia Vasquez. She is a visual artist and yoga practitioner, focusing on the restorative, meditative, and energetic aspects of the practice, regularly using the chakra system as a map. She is the founder of Heart and Brain, which is a space where art and yoga unite. Natalia is 200-hour certified under Yoga Alliance and holds a third-degree black belt in the Chung Hung system of Taekwondo. Through her artwork and teachings, she aims to destigmatize society's perception of mental and emotional ailments. If you're interested in practicing with Natalia and you're local to Miami, you can check out her classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 12.30 p.m. If you want to stay connected with Natalia, you can find her on Instagram at Natalia Vasquez Vision. If you want to stay in touch with us at Miami Life Center with events going on, teachers we have in town, things going on in our daily schedule, you can follow us on Instagram as well at Miami Life Center. Reach out with any questions, comments, any requests for future podcast episodes. We'd love to hear from you.